Greetings, my friends, and welcome to Hardwater Radio. This is Jason Archer. We're recording under the umbrella of Hardwater One here in the Valley of the Sun. And today we continue the mission to arm humans with the tools to crush mediocrity, create mastery, and live in total wellness with my next guest, Travis Robinson. Now, Travis told me to introduce him as a college dropout slash upcoming <laughs> entrepreneur. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because I have seen his stuff and it's absolutely fabulous. And you guys are definitely going to want to check out his projects. He's uh, currently running the website at Everyday Worker and he's specializing helping people identify the profession that's going to bring them success and fulfillment, specifically targeting the younger demographic. But when I found this out and having had talked to many, many, many adults who are in the wrong profession and basically hate their life because of it, I think those of you guys who are in any age bracket can actually benefit from the knowledge that Travis is about to drop on each and every one of us. So welcome in, my friend. I appreciate you taking the time today. For sure, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely, brother. Well, um, you know, we connected online and I started learning a little bit about you. And as I said, man, your stuff is top shelf. You've got a great base going. And, you know, it's always interesting to me how someone became the person that they are. So I'm hoping you can take us back to early childhood Travis days. Tell us a little bit about where you're from and uh, what was the upbringing like for you, sir? Yeah, I'm from uh, Stockton, California, born and raised there. Um, growing up, I, I kind of always, uh, switched around of things that I liked. I had my years of, you know, doing T-ball and minor league and, you know, like every, every kid usually does and, uh, had my time of getting into BMX thinking that I was going to be a professional BMX biker. And, uh, then I got into paintballing and did that for a couple of years and probably spent way too much money on that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I had a paintball gun that I could shoot like you know, 40 balls a second or, or whatever it was. I can't remember what it was, but it was, it was pretty fast gun, which was nice. And, uh, so, you know, I kind of lived this life of just kind of hopping around, nothing really like stuck as I never grew up as like, Oh, I'm like this car guy. And, and I think part of that was that my, my dad, my dad's a lawyer, which is awesome, but I would see these other kids and they usually would get into the, the, field or interest that their dad was in, right? If their dad was a construction guy, then they knew all about tools and construction and stuff. And it's kind of hard for me as a kid to get behind being a lawyer <laughs> when I'm 15 years old or whatever. Right, right. Um, so, so yeah, I was always bouncing around different things. And, uh, I, I, I got into video games when I was like seventh in seventh grade or something and started playing world of Warcraft and, you know, wasted a good amount of time doing that. Um, but after a couple of years, I, I still kind of, I wasn't fat, but I, I still had my, my baby fat and, uh, <laughs> going into high school, that's not who I wanted to be. You know, I, I didn't want to be the gamer that's starting to get more chunky. And anyways, um, so going into high school, I was ask, asking my buddy of mine, I was like, so what's like the hardest sport that I could do to get in shape? And, uh, he said, water polo or wrestling. And I knew I didn't want to do a sport that was in the water for, for me, I, I grew up with the pool in my backyard. And so being in the pool was supposed to be fun, not like a workout. Right, right. <laughs> and, uh, so I, so I went out for wrestling first year, awful, awful. I, uh, I think I won one match the whole year and, uh, I lost to multiple girls cause I, I wrestled, uh, 
okay, I shouldn't say, I guess it was multiple girls, a couple, like three, three girls or something. <laughs> so yeah, embarrassing, very embarrassing. I, I don't like sharing that. Uh, going into sophomore year though, I uh, started cutting weight, started taking it a little bit more serious. And uh, I got onto the varsity team of, of my wrestling team. And then junior year, I went to masters, which is in California's the uh, competition right before going to state and uh, didn't make it to state, but made it to masters. And then my senior year, I was uh, co-captain of the varsity team and made it to masters again that year. Didn't make it to state, sadly, but uh, definitely uh, learned a lot of discipline. And uh, that that to me kind of launched my whole world of wellness and you know the things that i learned in wrestling it's totally still affect me to this very day that's amazing so. man i mean it's very cool to hear you tell your story and talk about all the experiences that you went through i think a lot of kids you know they do that but i don't think a lot of times they understand what's actually happening in those moments you've got all these different experiences and as you said some of your friends are following in the footsteps of their of their parents early in life but there's this thing um, whereby you can actually specialize way too early in life. And I feel like it's important to try a lot of things. And so I'm wondering if as you were going through some of these different experiences with the hobbies, the paintball, whatever, you know, were you learning anything at that point in your life? Or were you aware that you were learning anything at that point in your life about what you might want to become? At that point, definitely no, I wasn't aware. I mean, I was just kind of doing things because they seemed fun and enjoyable, um, which I could learn to do that better now. I feel like, uh, I've, I've lost that a little bit, but, uh, no, I, I didn't put a whole lot of thought into, I want to do this so that I can learn a certain skill. Um, I, I definitely learned certain principles and skills that can be applied to a lot of different, uh, industries or jobs or whatever. And I, I wished I would have spent more time, uh, working on on doing different hobbies and stuff that led to exposing me to like different different options of of what I might be good at or what might interest me in an industry later. Um, you know, early in high school, I don't think I would have. It would have. I don't know. I don't know if it would have helped. But definitely, like coming closer to going to college, I had no idea why I was going to college or what I was going to study, but I did it because that's the logical next step to do. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I, I wished I would have been asked that question. Like, why are you going to college? What, what is it benefiting you? But nobody ever presented me with that question. I didn't know that that was a question I was allowed to ask, you know? <laughs> so, so yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's getting there. I mean, it's funny that you say that, uh, it was, a, you didn't know if it was a question you were allowed to ask, like what was going on at that point in your life where you felt like you, you would may or may or not, may or may not be allowed to ask something as relevant as, as that question, as it pertains to your future. I think that I just, the way I grew up, my parents always, they just assumed that college was, was going to happen. There was no question whether college was going to happen. Um, you know, when I graduated high school, I didn't, I didn't get 
like all this money. I didn't get a new car. I didn't like a lot of my friends were getting all these super expensive things. Some were getting upwards of a couple of couple thousand dollars because they graduated high school. And when I graduated, I mean, my parents were proud of me, but it was more of a attitude of, yeah, that's what we expect of you. Right. You know, um, it's not that impressive to graduate high school to them. And, and that's because college now is the next step and, and that's what really matters. And so, so just with that kind of mentality and environment that I grew up in, it, it just, it was always the, the mentality that you go to college and that's where you're going to figure out what you're going to do, which now looking back on it, why do I spend thousands of dollars in hopes that maybe I'll figure out what I'm going to do? Exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah, for sure. That's interesting that, that you had friends who were getting gifted for graduating high school. Graduating high school in the U.S. is like graduating eighth grade in most countries. I know. You know, it's like, you're, I agree with your parents, man. They didn't really, uh, it's not really that great of an accomplishment in terms of like yeah. scale. But um, going, going into college, obviously, that, that changes the game a little bit because there's a lot less hand-holding you know, there's a lot more self-discipline required. And, you know, when I'm thinking about those concepts and I'm thinking about your career wrestling through high school, you know, I mean, wrestling is a tough sport to get into. It's a tough sport to, you know, maintain any high level of performance. And, you know, what were some of the lessons that you took from, you know, going into that era of your life and participating in sport at that level? Mm. Well, you know, there's that saying, I don't know if you've heard it before, but in wrestling, we always say after wrestling, everything else is easy. <laughs> and it, it, it's kind of true. It, it just teaches you so much discipline and being able to work hard to put your head down and grind. And, you know, there were, there were nights that I couldn't sleep before a tournament because I was so dehydrated and I hadn't eaten for a day or two. And, you know, I was, I was cutting weight from my junior year was my worst year. Cause I was Health, just walking around healthy, hydrated, eating. I probably weighed about 118 or something. And, uh, and I was already skinny, right. And then shape and I was cutting down to 106 pounds. Wow. And, uh, you know, that, that takes a lot and it, it's hard doing that. And so going into college and doing a major that is typically seen as difficult mechanical engineering. Um, you know, I definitely always had that mentality in the back of my mind, like, like I've done hard things before I can, I can go and, you know, I, I did custodial on, on campus. I was a custodian. And so I'd wake up at 3am in the morning, um, to go and start my shift. I would eat breakfast, get ready for school. And I would bring all my books and backpack and everything to my shift on campus to start at 4:30 in the morning till 7am. And then when I'm done with that, I would stay on campus and go through my classes, do homework. I would stay on campus all day, sometimes till eight or nine o'clock at night. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to be on campus for like 16, 17 hours a day, but I did it because I, I knew that I could do it because I've done hard things like wrestling. That's amazing. I love the way that you phrase that, like doing hard things. I think there's a certain amount of a fulfillment and confidence that only comes from doing hard things. And it seems like, you know, as someone who's twice your age, you know, looking at that age group, it seems like, and I'm sure every generation says this, it looks like, oh, these guys are so, e they have it so easy. And, you know, things are just given to them over and over and over again. You know, what was your perspective on that sentiment, you know, being, 
you know, in the generation that you're in, how do you see people of your age group in terms of handling hard things or doing difficult tasks? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a big that's smile. I'm, I'm anxious for this answer. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm trying to s- filter myself a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I feel like my generation has been coddled a lot. Uh, is that the right word? Coddled? Um, where like, I feel like a, a lot of my generation, they don't know how to deal with tough situations because they have their phone in their face or they their their cop out is to they go and they watch Netflix when they're going through a hard, hard situation. And so they don't figure out how to deal with the situation head on. And the trick isn't in learning how to you know, just, just mask the emotions and hope that it passes, but all those emotions are, are going to come out eventually. And so, so yeah, so learning to just like face those situations head on. And, and I've, I've seen that so much where people go through hard things and they walk away from situations. You know, I, I believe that that's, you know, I'm, I don't know, want to overstep my bounds, but I feel like that's why divorce, divorce rates are so high because um, or at least, you know, one cause of it is that people, they, they, uh, encounter a tough situation and their immediate response is to back away from that and to leave that situation as opposed to communicating and talking through it. And, um, you know, I've learned those skills throughout my life. I, I love communicating. I'm definitely not the husband where I come home from work or my wife comes home from work and I don't want to talk. My my wife doesn't like how much I want to talk sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's but, great. But uh, yeah, I, I definitely feel like, you know, our our society has, uh, we, we put labels on ourselves a lot. You know, um, I, I definitely believe that anxiety and depression are real things, uh, real mental, uh, health issues. But I, I also think that when we put those labels on ourselves, now we start giving ourselves the excuse like, Oh, I'm sad because I have depression. And so I have the right to be sad as opposed to learning to like cope with it and, and learn how to deal with it. hundred percent, man. That's a, that's a very intelligent and mature viewpoint on, you know, dealing with issues and problems that I definitely feel like is lacking from a lot of younger people today. And mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like listening to you discuss that your viewpoint is so radically different from a lot of the younger people that I've spoken to that I'm curious, you know, how did you develop that? Was this something that came from just being you in your household? Is this something your parents modeled for you? Or is this something that you consciously developed over time? Uh, I mean, I mean, you know, you know, as well as I do that the way we think and we are as human beings is definitely not from one thing, right? We're influenced by so many things around us. Um, I don't know why I think the way that I do, to be honest. I mean, I, I think I've been gifted and blessed with the ability to uh, think through situations and um, be able to see things a little bit more clearly than others might. At least I think that it's clear, <laughs> you know, Um but it, it, I did come, uh, let me rephrase that. I was brought up in that way by my parents. My parents have kind of a similar belief like that. They see things a little bit more black and white, I suppose. Um, I've 
kind of taken that model and diluted it a little bit of not seeing things so black and white, but also being able to see things like clearly. I know that kind of sounds confusing, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's a hard question, right? I mean, yeah, there, there's so many different influences and things that have kind of led to why I think the way that I do. And um, I, I think that not to jump ahead in the story, but I moving into college that I've told you before that I never felt connected to engineering. I did it because that was the easy path. Um, and so when I got close to graduation, my wife introduced me to um, this guy, Brendan Burchard. And I started listening to his podcast called The Brendan Show. And he's one of these uh, influencers that uh, he, he teaches about. He has a book called um, High Performance Habits. And it's, it's all about like being your best self and uh, having the habits in your life to like dictate your life. Or you've probably heard of uh, the Sabbaths, the seven habits mm -hmm. of highly effective people. And I read that book first, actually. I read that my junior, senior year of college. And, really? and that like opened up my whole world to like, like, man, like this, like I connect with that. Like that is who I want to be, you know, like that whole just like world excites me and like enlivens me. And, and that's what I want to be. I'm not great at it, but that's what I like. That's what I want. And I just connect with that so much, you know? That's very cool, man. I, uh, I'm surprised to hear you mention seven habits. I mean, that's fairly old book. I mean, it was an old book when I read it and, you know, like, uh, <laughs> but uh, it's very relevant and it's still very, uh, very much, uh, had an impact on my life. There's one story in that book that I always fall back on. It's the story where he's telling, where he's talking about how there's a gentleman on a train coming Dude, home. Yeah. That's such a good story. I was story. thinking that. I was like, I wonder if you're going to say that one. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's such an impactful <laughs> yeah. story because it introduced a couple of concepts to me, one of which was paradigm, you know, and how basically if you've not read the book, there's a, a gentleman on a train and he is, his kids are going crazy and the other passengers are becoming annoyed. And finally, a passenger, you know, asks him, hey, man, are you going to do something about your kids? And the guy kind of wakes up from this little stupor that he's in and he says, oh yeah, you know, I'm trying to figure out what to say to them. Their, their, wife, their mother just died, you know, or something along that line. Mm -hmm. And he was teaching paradigm, right? Like the guy was living in one world and the people on the train were living in another. But then once they connected the dots, they could bridge the gap and actually have some understanding as to why things were the way they were. And it feels like, you know, hearing you talk a little bit about you know, some of the things your parents instilled in you, it feels like it set the stage for you to, you know, go into that realm. I mean, I'm sitting here listening to your story and you're telling me that, oh, you know, I was a lawyer's kid, but you know, I was a custodian at school. I don't know a lot of lawyer's kids who would be doing custodial work. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, my, my parents very much, uh, I, I was definitely blessed growing up. You know, I, I got a cell phone when I was in high school, not a smartphone, had a nice little uh, brick phone <laughs> that has the slider keyboard. Right, right. Um, but I had a cell phone and uh, my parents were able to get me a, a cheap car when I was a junior in high school. And so I, I had certain things that definitely uh, I was blessed with. But my, my parents, were, I people when I was growing up, especially when I was like in elementary school and kids would say, kids would try to make me feel bad because I was well off. Like I lived in the nicer part of town 
And, and people would try and make me feel bad for that. And I would always joke around and say like, I'm not rich. My parents are rich. Right, right. <laughs> um, so I think, I th- feel like my parents did do a pretty good job at instilling that idea that, you know, I, I had a summer job every, every summer, mm-hmm. um, between, between semesters of high school. And, um, they definitely ingrained that in me that you, you work for what you want and you don't just get, get handouts. Um, and so, I mean, I was blessed, but not spoiled, I hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a, that's such beautifully, a beautiful way to say that. Because, I mean, it is possible, I think, a lot of times for, <clears throat> excuse me, for parents to want for their kids the things that they wanted when they were kids. And then along the, the, along the way, they weaken their child. You know, they, they weaken that person. They take away their desire. They take away their, you know, their sort of impetus to move. And, you know, that's the, that's what moves every human being. There's got to be some form of motivation. And usually it comes from a place of desperation, not inspiration. So when you give someone everything, you know, you know, quickly and easily, you rob them of that incentive to move. And I feel like that's happened a lot uh, in the modern world. And I feel like we're sort of seeing the result of that when people are choosing to go into your story a little deeper their majors in school, what they want to do. There seems to be a lot of talk about what's easy or what's going to give me the least amount of investment or what's going to give me the least amount of time out of my day rather than what's going to give me the most purpose, the most meaning, you know, what am I going to feel best about doing? You know, I'm wondering if you can speak to that concept based on your experience. Yeah, man. The first thought that came to my mind when you're saying that is this idea that like, like I, I've, I've been spending more time on Reddit. I just found out what Reddit even is. And uh, so I've been spending a little more time on there just trying to find uh, people that could be potential clients. And I see people on there a lot saying like, like what job can, or like what can I go into for a profession that I can get into the quickest with the least amount of education and make good money? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that is such the wrong question. And I think that that's where a lot of people fall into professions and careers where they're so unhappy and they're so just like miserable and complain to their coworkers and about their boss every day is because their thought is that they are looking for a quick fix to, uh, to have that money, that income, right. To have that, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like temporary satisfaction. But I've seen like time and time again that people get five, 10 years into their career and they realize that the money is not the thing that's going to make them happy. There's so much more to it. There's, and it takes time to put in that effort of like, what's really going to bring that fulfillment in your life. What's really going to satisfy you and help you feel like you're serving the greater good or, um, you know, serving your fellow, your fellow man. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I don't, I can't remember what your question was, but that was the first thought that came to my mind. <laughs> yeah, you, okay. Sorry. No, you did, you did fine, my friend. You did fine. So going back to that though, like the purpose and meaning conversation, the uh, question basically revolving around that. And you mentioned, you know, the two books that uh, came to mind, Seven Habits and then Brenda Bouchard's book. You know, what were some of the concepts that you pulled from those resources to kind of bolster your thinking down this direction and, 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 you know, help you get started on the path mm-hmm. that you're on today. Yeah. One that I have really loved from Brendan Burchard's book, he, he uses this word a lot of being intentional. 
And I love that concept that the decisions and choices you make are intentional. And, and uh, Stephen Covey talks about this in The Seven Habits, I think, where you we, we all want to get to a point where we're making certain decisions in our life because we we want the outcome we're not reacting to how we feel we're not reacting to things that are going on around us if i want to sit down and watch an episode of band of brothers that i've started getting into and it's awesome um (laughs) if i want to sit down and watch an episode i'm conscious unconsciously and intentionally making that decision that i've done a lot of work today i've been working hard i've exercise my brain, exercise my body. And I deserve to sit down for just one hour a show and relax for a little bit. And I'm okay with that. You know, as opposed to I had a hard day and I'm going to go binge watch Netflix. And it's, it's a small tweak in thought process, but it's, it's played a big impact in my life. I'm not great at it, but I try to be very intentional in the decisions that I'm making each day. Um, yeah, hopefully that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it does, man. Intention, I believe, is everything. Uh, and if you, I don't know, we haven't gone down this road yet. We haven't talked at all about the personal development world. But once you dive into that into that world, this becomes a tremendous and useful concept because the the counter to that is the reality of most people not living with intentionality and not setting up their days for success. But when we start talking about intention, we have to have the conversation about what is the intention generating for us, you know? And so with Everyday Worker, I know that you've created a mission and a purpose around that. But when you're talking about intention for yourself, you know, and you're coming and you're looking at your days and you're saying, I'm going to set my day up this way with intention. What is the end result in the back of your mind that you want to create by doing that? You know, what is the larger vision that you have for being intentional in the moment now? Yeah, the larger vision that I have, I I want to live the life that I want to live. <laughs> I know that sounds dumb maybe, but I felt like I was living a life because of expectations that were put on me, either by myself of who I think I should be or the type of career that I should have um, or by my parents and what they think I should be doing. And so by going intentionally into a day or into a certain activity, I'm wanting those things to lead in in a direction that I want to be moving. And to me, starting the podcast was kind of that first step, really. It, the, the whole idea of doing the Everyday Worker podcast, I was just talking to my wife and my mother-in-law one day and... I was telling them like, man, it would be cool if there was a podcast where I interviewed people about their careers and their professions and people could listen in and figure out what kind of career they want to do and stuff like that. And I almost just left it at that. Like for two weeks, I didn't really put another thought into it. Um, but I kept listening to the Brendan show and Brendan Burchard and stuff like that. And and he he just he brought that motivation that I needed to be like, you know what, I'm not going to just leave that at an idea, but I want to actually take action on that. I don't know what it's going to lead to, but I want to move forward with it. And, and so that's what I did and, uh, worked on it for a few months and launched it in December. And 
it's been awesome ever since, but it's, it's just one little thing that's leading to the overall objective of living the life that I want to live. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How long did it take, do you think, for you to sort of latch onto the idea that intention matters? You know, I don't think very many people get it at any age um, or at any era in life. And, you know, for you to have started um, a podcast, obviously a, a web platform, you're starting to develop electronic products and all the rest of it, and you have a specific target and focus with what you want to create, that doesn't happen without intention. So, during this whole process, is this something you've been connected to or has it been something that has evolved with you? The idea intention of intention, I, I mean, I think I connected with that almost immediately when I heard it. A lot of the things in uh, high performance habits, it just resonated with me. It just made so much sense to me of that there, it makes sense to me, the concept that discipline uh, well, I guess I'll use the quote, discipline equals freedom. I don't know if you've heard of Jocko Willink. Oh, yeah. Um, man. But yeah, Jocko. And so he always says that, right? Discipline equals freedom. And I, I wholeheartedly believe that. And I think part of that comes from my religious beliefs. Um, and it, it makes sense to me that when you're disciplined, that you're able to create the life that you want as opposed to allowing the things around you to cause you to react. And now you're going to feel like you're busy. You're going to feel like you're doing a lot of things. You're going to feel overwhelmed, but really you're not getting anything done because you're reacting to all these other things going on around you. Um, so, so yeah, I, I mean, I just, I don't know. It's, I, I guess I just connected with it right away of that idea of intention. Yeah, it's interesting that you brought up uh, Jocko and the idea of discipline equals freedom, which of course is one of his books. You know, and what does that phrase mm-hmm. mean to you when you hear it? Like, what what bells and whistles go off in your head? Yeah, I mean, immediately, hmm, that is a good question. To me, the idea of discipline equals freedom. It's, I, I don't, I don't know. I guess kind of what I was saying is that when when you are disciplined in creating your day that it leads to certain freedoms right you're not uh tied down to being reactionary to what's going on around you um i think that uh stephen covey again seven habits he he puts it really well too he talks about the same concept they're all the same concepts that's what's so funny to me too is that they're, they're all like the same thing they just say it in different ways um but it's just this idea again that it's, yeah, I don't, I don't know how to say it differently really than, than just what I've already said, I guess. <laughs> yeah. No worries. It's uh it's uh it's one of those things I think a lot of people misunderstand. And, and so I'm always interested when we have a common concept shared in the zeitgeist out there of how people's take on it is, you know, like discipline equals freedom. A lot of people hear that and they're like, well, you know, if I'm bound to a schedule, then I'm really not free. And my, Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Run with it, my friend. Uh, just this is an extreme example, but uh, for example, uh, smoking. You know, the this idea. You know, they they used to believe that smoking was was good for you, and then obviously studies came out that shows that it's really not good for you at all. But this idea that you can do whatever the heck you want. I could go outside and smoke, a, go buy a pack of cigarettes, and go smoke it right now. I have the freedom to do that. But once I make that decision and I build that bad habit, now I'm bound 
to smoking cigarettes. Now I, now at Thanksgiving dinner, I have to go take a break outside to get away from my family because I need to smoke a cigarette, mm. you know? Yeah. And so there's certain bad habits that we allow in our life that actually binds us, but makes us think that we're actually free. I'm free to binge watch Netflix all that I want, but really it's taking me away from my wife or from myself and learning about me and, and having fun with myself. Um, and so it, it is an interesting concept, this idea that discipline equals freedom. And I, I think that you are so disciplined and that you have boundaries, but you are choosing those boundaries. Those boundaries aren't being imposed upon you by some external force. Right, right. Which takes you back to the intentionality conversation before mm-hmm. and having a vision of what you want to create. Yeah. When I yeah. hear that concept and the way that you were discussing it just now, um, Ray Dalio came to mind. And I don't know if you're familiar with Ray Dalio, but he has a great book mm-hmm. called Principles that you would probably enjoy reading. And he talks about uh, first order and second order consequences. So like, and to use your example of cigarette smoking, right? You want the cigarette and if you have it now, the first order consequence is it satisfies your craving and you feel good or you get a buzz or whatever cigarette smokers experience. I don't know. Right. But the second order consequence is your health suffers, right? Because you lack the discipline to say no to something that's going to, you know, bolster health in your body. And so his whole argument in several of the chapters is like, you have to live for the second order consequences, not the first order consequences. And Mm -hmm. we know when I look out across the landscape of people, I mean, I see people living for first order consequences across the board, man. And it seems like at some point we have to wake up and realize or have some sort of collective knowing that, you know what, the second order consequences are the ones that give us the meaning, the ones that provide us purpose. You know, a healthy body allows you to, you know, enjoy life with your wife or your children or, you know, even by yourself if that's your thing, right? But what happens to get to that? Okay, well, you have to have some discipline in what you decide Mm -hmm. and what you intend for your life. And until you get to that point, the rest of it is just kind of moot. You know, that's kind of the way I hear it myself. Yeah, I mean, I think that whatever you want to call it, God, the universe, I, I think that God created the things that bring true happiness in this life. I think God created it in a way that it doesn't come easy. You know, I've always had that thought, like even, even just something as funny as weeds, like some weeds, like dandelions, they're very pretty yet. We call them a weed and like, why can't our garden be full of weeds? But we have this idea in our mind that we have to take the harder route and rip out all the weeds, the things that grow without you even watering them. (laughs) And we have to rip those out and plant beautiful flowers. Right. Right. And everything in life, like you, like, I love that concept that you just said, you know, all the easy things give us that, that, what'd you call it? First order consequence. First order consequences. Yeah. Yeah. All the easy things give us that first order consequence, but it's the hard things that are going to bring true happiness that we have to look towards that second order consequence. I, I think that's awesome principle. For sure, man. And I think getting to that, uh, that first order consequence, I think touches on a big part of your message. And, you know, one of the things that I've taken from reading through some of your work is, you know, you've dealt with people or you've talked to to people who are dealing with this first order consequence of, 
man, it would feel good to make my parents happy to choose into this career or this major or this thing or, or, or whatever the thing of it is because they don't want to face a second order consequence of, oh man, you know what? That's going to rain down on me for a long time and I'm going to have to weather the storm to get through to the sunny day again. You know, so I'm wondering if you could, you know, back up just a couple steps and take us through your process of going into college and feeling what you felt in choosing your major and um, walk us through that bit of adversity that you faced. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll start with the undergrad, like you were saying. So, so I guess I, I went into mechanical engineering. Well, I w- when I went into college, you know, you have to declare a major and I declared it as mechanical engineering, just because I didn't know, you know, it's a general major. It's easy to transfer out of or whatever. And uh, my older brother did mechanical engineering and did his master's and everything in that. So, so I just chose that and I was good at math. I always had been and uh, seemed like the easy option to do. And going through it, I just, I didn't know what else to switch to, but I never gave myself the chance to take a step back and figure out what I should switch to. You know, I, uh, I was confident that I could get an engineering degree. And in my mind, I was like, if I get an engineering degree that is in mechanical engineering, the, the options are very open to me. I, I can do a lot of things from there. And so why not just get the engineering degree? It pays well, and it's going to provide a, a stable job for me and for my family. And, uh, and so that, that was kind of my whole thought process going through it. I, I never really like connected with the classes. Um, you know, they were interesting, but they were as interesting to me as they probably would be to you, you know, like, like it's, like it's interesting to learn about something new. Right. But it's not like, like some guys, like I remember one of my classes, uh, fluid, fluid dynamics, and, uh, we were just coming back from a semester and, uh, my, my teacher, my professor was like, so like, what'd you guys do this semester or do over the break and stuff? And this one guy was like, Oh, I built a CNC machine in my backyard so I could, uh, cut out, uh, uh, model airplanes to, (laughs) to create models and stuff. And I'm like, dude, I would never even think to do that. Overachievement (laughs) right there, man. I know, seriously. But that's the thing is like, like some of these guys loved this stuff and they loved doing it in their spare time. And when I was dating my wife, like the, this other guy in this other class was like, yeah, I was like watching these YouTube video at home about, you know, this, this, you know, manufacturing process. And it was so interesting. And I was like, dude, like, I'm not going to watch YouTube videos about that. I want to be hanging out with my girlfriend and making out with her. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny, man. Too funny. Yeah. Well, you so, mentioned, yeah. Yeah. Well, you mentioned earlier that you said um, something along the lines of, you know, you're kind of breaking the mold, the family mold, so to speak, kind of branching out on your own with the entrepreneurial thing. Um, what's that been like for you so far? Um, it, it's still a work in progress with it. Uh, so kind of the quick rundown of the story, cause you introduced me as a college dropout. Um, it's not necessarily <laughs> you a told college me to, dropout. Man. You told me to, can't hold that against me. <laughs> uh, but I'm a master's program dropout. So it sounds a little bit better. Yeah. You're way smarter than undergrad dropouts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but so I, yeah, just a little background on in, into entrepreneurship. So I started the master's program again, mainly just because it was another option that kind of prolonged the inevitable of working full time. But about 
couple weeks into it, I, I remember sitting in this class and, uh, well, yeah. So I had this class called compliant mechanisms and we had to, we had to do this little lab where we had to create, um, a compliant mechanism out of Lego pieces. And these, these other guys in this group, I was like watching them cause you know, I didn't really care to be there. I wanted to be home working on my podcast. Um, <laughs> and so I was watching these other guys putting together these compliant mechanisms and like coming up with different mechanisms of stuff and, playing with the Lego piece and they're laughing and having fun and they loved being there and like sitting there, it just like dawned on me, like, why can't I do something that I get that excited about, mm. you know? And, uh, and so, yeah, it's kind of started the, this whole launch now into, um, wanting to start my own career path. And it, it's been a little bit of a, a struggle, you know, some days, I'm like, what am I doing with my life? Like, why, why am I, why did I drop out? Am I, uh, going in the right direction? And, um, you know, it's kind of hard. I don't feel like I have much support from my parents, which is new to me. Um, and so it's, it's kind of hard to wanting to be moving in this direction and, you know, you're, you're, uh, have started businesses and stuff. And it can be difficult when you're moving in a direction that, uh, other people don't approve of. And you're also not seeing results yet because mm -hmm. you're just in the beginning, right? You're just creating the course. You're just starting to build the business. And so it's kind of a hard time right now because I don't really have anything to show for it. I haven't made any money or anything. Um, but I'm moving in that direction. That's and, awesome. uh, so it's, it's, it's up and down. <laughs> That's awesome, man. I mean, it's about having faith in, in your vision, you know, and, and, and really seeing it through, you know, because it, there are going to be hard times and there will be people who think that they're supporting you by not supporting you. And, you know, it's not yeah. that they don't care about you or that they, they, you know, stopped loving you in any way, shape or form. It's just that they feel like they have a better idea of what is right for you in some cases, and they don't want to see you suffer. And they know yeah. that, hey, if you go this way, we'll have X, Y, Z result, right? But that's the problem with going a lot of the black box routes is you know the outcome already. And if that right. outcome isn't the one you want, then, oh, man, <laughs> you're setting yourself up for a for a rude awakening, so to speak. Yeah, totally. Well, and that's kind of my, my thought process right now is I'm like, I don't know, you know, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to be a career coach the rest of my life. I have no idea. But... I know that it's moving in the right direction and it's going to mm -hmm. open up doors that I want to have open up yeah, within sure. engineering. I don't really care if doors open up within engineering, you know, mm -hmm. I want to be in this world of like self-improvement and helping people. And, um, and so, you know, I, I think for, for anybody listening that is trying to leave and pivot in their career, like you don't need to, I don't think you need to look into the next five, 10 years out. Um, look at what's the next step. And then just take that next step and keep taking the next step and the next step. And, you know, doors will open up that you don't know even exist yet. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're moving in that right direction, then you're, you're on a better path than you are now if you're unhappy. Absolutely. I think a lot of people are thinking about that right now, especially given the circumstances with COVID and all the rest of it. So, mm -hmm. you know, this, that's a concept that I think couldn't hit people's ears at a greater time than right now, you know, because people are reevaluating no matter where they are in their lives, uh, people are learning, Hey, you know what? I should have some money saved. You know, I should have a plan B or a plan C. I should have some sort of safety net for myself because, you know, 
the government isn't going to take care of me, you know, which is, yeah. which is good and bad in a lot of ways, right? They probably shouldn't, you know, you probably should have the wherewithal to take care of yourself. But at the same token, you know, if you haven't learned that lesson, if you have to have the, hadn't had the benefits of parents who taught you that lesson along the way, then your natural expectation is that someone else is going to come to save me. And, and one mm-hmm. of my favorite phrases is no one is coming to save you. It's just not going to happen, <laughs> right? So you got to save yourself. So it's interesting when people go into the entrepreneurial world, you, it's very much a, you know, a hunt and gather type of situation. Like you're, you know, if, if you don't sell, you don't eat, you know, if you don't provide for yourself, you're not going to have food or you're not going to be able to pay the bills. And it's very difficult for people to wrap their minds around that coming from a school system that trains you for 18 years to be compliant and follow instructions. And I feel yeah. like... Uh, a lot of what I'm taking from your message, especially some of the verbiage on your website is that, Hey, that might not be the best, that might not be the best route for you. So, um, let's dive into your project, man. And, uh, tell me a little bit about, you know, what, I mean, obviously we talked a little bit about your mission at the top of the hour, but tell me a little bit about what you would like to see happen and what are the steps that you're employing now to make your vision real with everyday worker? Yeah. Yeah. My, my vision of the the podcast is, you know, like I said, it's something that, that I started just because I had a thought and, uh, but I want it to launch into bigger and greater ventures that can have a, a more broader reach because it's just sad to me to see people and think of people that are in a career that they're miserable every day. And, uh, and so my my whole goal is to provide a program, provide a curriculum that people can walk through to take time to focus on themselves, to really sit down and think about, you know, what what is my ideal career look like, at least right now? What is important to me in um create in like providing for a family or is it important to me to be chasing my passion? Um, you know, I, I believe that there's like different areas of, uh, of an ideal career, like your, like your geography, what like your geography, your benefits of the company, the environment that you work with, the people that you work with, you know, there's all these different factors. It's not just one singular thing that you can look at and say, Oh, like this is the one thing. If, if this company has this one major thing, then I'm going to be happy. It's, it's all of it, right? You got to think of all the different aspects. And so you have to experience it. You know, you have to sit down, you have to think about these things and then go out and start trying new things. Even if they're just small things, you know, watch a YouTube video of how to like what it's like to be a doctor or go and shadow a doctor if you want to take it a little bit further and just take those little baby steps um, each day, each week to, again, start moving in the direction that you want to move. And, and so this coaching course that I'm working on walks you through those steps. It's, it's a mixture of self-reflection of coaching with me to help you um, think about things in the right context to really dig deep into what your limiting beliefs are, what beliefs you have that are stopping you from moving towards greater happiness and what you can start doing to build the life that you want for yourself and for your family. Um, and then also building a network. Cause I think that's the hardest thing 
is building that that network and breaking into an industry. Um, through my podcast, I met a lot of different people from lots of different industries. And as part of my coaching curriculum, I am uh, building a, a list of, of people that when I coach people that they can access my personal network of people from all of these different industries and, and have a short phone call with them to be able to ask them questions about the industry, not, not for job opportunities, but about the industry and um, start building that network and see if, if that person can now open up doors to other people they could talk to. And then it's just a snowball effect from there. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's kind of what I've got going on. That's amazing, man. I love the fact that you're opening up the Rolodex, so to speak, and uh, getting some, you know, some some names in front of people that, uh, you know, that can really benefit them in the long run. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Wired Magazine or Kevin Kelly, uh, but he has this concept where he talks about premature optimization. And we mm-hmm. talked about this a little bit at the top of the hour where we were talking about being a kid and trying all these different things. And he talks about how even in young adulthood, you know, I mean, the brain isn't even fully formed until you're 25, you know, 26, depending on which research you read. We've got kids choosing into majors, um, you know, and then coming out of school at that age, choosing a career path that they may or may not enjoy. And, you know, his recommendation is don't do that. His recommendation is to try a lot of different things and, and just try them on and see how they fit. And it sounds like that would is kind of right in line with some of the things that you're doing with Everyday Worker, getting people to, to take a hard look at, you know, a career that they're thinking about spending the majority of their life, you know, in or doing. Mm-hmm. You know, what's your uh, take on that concept? Yeah, my my big focus with the everyday worker is is people who feel like they've kind of missed the train because it's easy when you're like 17, 18 years old to feel like like oh, I'm going to go get a go get these random jobs and go do some like internships and stuff because I'm not paying the bills, I'm living with my parents and stuff and um you know that that concept is important and it's for anybody it's not just for a young person but anybody that is even in their career later in life and uh i've been seeing i don't know if you've heard of a, a gap year have you no, heard that term no so a, a gap year is basically a period of time it could be a year or less but it's basically a period of time where you take time off from work or from school whatever you're doing and you you plan out a a time where you can go and explore different interests of yours. And so there's companies now that you can pay, you know, a few hundred dollars or whatever, and they'll help you plan out a gap year. Mm. And so I know a lot of these, um, from my understanding that I think they focus more on like the younger people. Um, I don't know, you'd have to look into that, but, uh, but it's a cool concept, right? That Mm. you take this time off purely, to go and learn and to go explore your interests and yourself. Um, so it's not just a time to go and travel to Europe and screw around, but a time to really like, uh, focus on yourself and, uh, not, not worry about what you should be doing, but just purely like what excites you, you know? Mm. So it's kind of an interesting concept. I I like it a lot. And I think, I think it's a growing trend and I hope that it continues to grow. Yeah, it sounds amazing. I don't think I remember that opportunity when I was coming out of school. I, I, of course, I don't know everything that was going on back then, but I don't think that was a thing. But definitely that would have been super valuable because, I mean, I know from my own experience what I 
studied in college was not something I ended up going into, which I think we're going to talk about on your show. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people could benefit from that. I mean, when, when you're talking to uh, some of the people that you're working with, are you seeing that they've had any time at all or any thought placed into what they might want to do in terms of variance? Or is it just all based on what someone else has sort of introduced them to like parents or friends or that sort of thing? Yeah. From what I've seen, it's, it seems like it's like two, I think two major reasons is one for financial reasons that they feel like they have to move into a certain job or they have to move to college um, because that that's just like financially what's expected of them. And um, so I've met people that, you know, started school and then they stopped going to college because they couldn't afford it or they didn't see the value in it. And so they just got a job. The first one that came um, because of it. Um, The other side of it is that I feel like people move into a certain job or career because that, that was just kind of presented to them. You know, they applied for it and they got it. And, uh, and I think that a lot of people do that. They, they see a job opening, it pays decent or pays well. And so they just move into it as opposed to putting that time into like, how much are they actually going to enjoy it and find fulfillment out of it? Mm -hmm. What's your take on the value of college uh, nowadays? I mean, obviously school is school. The cost of school has gone through the roof. And then when you look at, you know, your local Starbucks and you've got your, your, your most recent master's graduate, you know, serving coffee behind the counter, like, you know, it makes you raise an eyebrow and wonder, and, you know, I'm, I'm interested in hearing your take. Yeah. Um, I think that, I think college definitely plays its role still. It's not obsolete. Um, so I just got finished reading this book called choosing college and it's a really interesting book. Um, he, he introduces this concept right off the bat where he says, when you buy a product, like you're wearing headphones or both wearing headphones right now, and we buy headphones to fulfill a spur to fulfill a specific purpose. Right. And so I bought these headphones because they looked cool and they also sound great. Um, and they are at a reasonable price. They're not as expensive as beats. And so I bought it for a specific purpose so I can listen to music and it sounds great. Well, we don't think about college like that. We, we go into college and a lot of times we just go into it, um, because of different reasons. And, and so he calls it jobs to be done because we go to college to perform a certain job. And, uh, and so he gives these different, there's like five different jobs. I can't remember four or five. And so like for me, I feel like I went to school, um, because that was what's expected of me. Um, some people, they go to school they go to college because they want to get away from their situation. They're working at McDonald's at a dead end job or something. And so they feel like they need to leave completely to go to college, um, to get away from a certain situation. And so there's these different jobs of why we go to college. And and so the point I'm trying to make, I guess, is that, uh, college plays a role, but we need to look at it differently that we need to use college, not college use us in a way. Mm. Um, and so that's why I'm all about this idea that like figure out what you want to do first, figure out the education that you need to get to where you want to go, then go get that education. Don't get some education and hope that 
you know, you're going to throw a dart and hopefully you hit a job that is going to interest you. Mm-hmm. Cause I feel like that's what we do. <laughs> yeah. Was that habit number one? Does that begin with the end in mind that I'm hearing there? <laughs> that is true. That is true. Right. They all, they all connect, right? <laughs> yeah. And the closer you get to truth, right. The, the, all you can do is just rename the concepts, right? It's true. And it, it is what it is. So one of the That's things funny. that I'm super interested in about your life, <clears throat> excuse me, is the fact that you're, uh, you're a young man. What are you? 20, what? 20, 24, 24, 24 married. Yeah. How long? Uh, two and a half years now. Okay, so married for two and a half years, 24 years old. Uh, I think a lot of people would probably look at that and say, oh man, that's way too young to, to jump into a relationship. <laughs> and yet here you are a couple of years down the line, you know, um, you have a successful marriage and you're, you know, you're building something for yourself, you know. What are your, what's your take on um, modern relationships, you know, in, in, their, in their 20s right now? What's, uh, what's the general consensus? How are people shaping up in terms of dealing with one another in the, in the uh, you know, romantic relationship department? Um, yeah, again, another interesting topic that I'm going to try and uh, be careful about the choosing of my <laughs> words. Uh, I mean, just from my experience and uh, the general kind of feel I get from my generation or, or today, the, the word that comes to mind to describe how people view relationships would be disposal. Mm. That a lot of people look at relationships that it's something that it's okay to just once you get tired of it, you move on. And uh, and you know, I kind of I kind of mentioned this earlier too, but it's something that I think a lot of people give up on quickly. And and I always hate in movies, you know, where like in movies it's like we're gonna have this big fight. I'm done we're all done. And they're just like, yeah. And they walk away and then they like never see each other again, or they hate each other forever. And it's like, what the heck? Like, where's the communication? Like you guys have lived with each other for like five years and like, you're going to allow this stupid argument to like cause you to break up and never talk again. And it's, it's just dumb to me. Um, you know, like I said, I love talking. And so, um, that's, that's definitely like a huge thing. I think that communication, is is key you know you have to have communication in a relationship and um and i think that that's missing which which causes people to to just give up quickly on on a hard situation or a hard marriage or whatever it might be yeah do you think staying in for the long term is genuinely doing something difficult um what do you mean explain that a little bit more so like you stay in a relationship for a longer period of time right like uh I'm assuming you're the type of person based on our interaction that, uh, that plans to be married once and for that to be that. Right. And so to make that a reality, you know, you're going to grow and change. Your wife is going to grow and change. You guys are going to grow and change together as a unit, as you, as you learn and grow through life. And so, you know, the way you interact today is not going to be the way you interact five years from now, maybe not even two years from now. Mm -hmm. So to keep that going, I think that, you know, from my perspective, it's, it's a, it's an art and a skill and, and also a science. And I think doing all of those things in a way that benefits both partners is a very difficult thing. And so I'm just curious what your perspective is, um, at the, at the age of 24. Yeah. Well, I had, I had somebody, uh, tell me once that I'm going to butcher what he said, but basically he said, when you're, when you're young, you have such a strong love for your spouse 
But when you're old, your love is so much deeper and so much stronger. Yet you're totally fine leaving your wife at home and going fishing with your friends for the day. (laughs) 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 You know, and I, and I think that's true. Like uh, as you, as you age and you grow like your love and I've only been married, you know, like I said, a couple of years, but even in the couple of years, I can feel and sense how our love has began to mature and you know we don't have to sit right next to each other on the couch anymore and <laughs> although we do we still do sometimes <laughs> that's not a good sign man i'm just kidding <laughs> now we got we got our cuddles in don't worry um but yeah dang i had a thought too of uh something you were saying oh man i knocked you off the train sorry too. about that oh no you're good uh i can't remember but yeah, it's kind of my my thoughts right now. Of dang it, yeah, I lost totally lost my train of thought. It'll come to you. <laughs> I was thinking about thinking about cuddling too much. <laughs> I know, man. You sure are. Yeah, it'll come to you. Um, the reason I asked about the relationship piece in the first uh, first place has to do with um, a very sort of serious concept that the, that of building business and career and and family and all the rest of it. It's been shown that that people who are in committed strong. Uh, relationships are more risk tolerant. So basically, you have more of a of an appetite to do something difficult, to do something hard, to step outside of the ordinary, to break bounds with, you know, whatever conventional wisdom is on that particular day, and go do your thing. Because at the end of the day, you know that you've got a soft place to land. And as long as you have that soft place to land, everything's going to be all right. And yeah. I'm wondering what your take on that is, being that you are the very person who is in a committed relationship, starting a new thing, you know, how do you feel uh, your relationship is doing or supporting that? And, you know, do you have any advice for someone who might be considering doing something similar? Yeah. And I I actually remembered what I was going to say. And and it relates to this. I think that, again, I, I think that an issue with relationships and I'm sure a lot of people might agree, disagree with me, but I think a big issue is that people, they put their career before their spouse. And, uh, one example of this, that, uh, I, I was watching shark tank the other night and, uh, <laughs> Mark, Mark Cuban was talking about how as an entrepreneur, you have to be like so committed and, and everything. And he was saying that, uh, he was dating some girl and had been dating her for quite a while. And at some point in their relationship, she was like, it's either me or your business. And he was like, what's your name again? (laughs) 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 And it was funny, but at the same time, I'm like, man, like I, I don't want that to be me. And I hope that I don't turn into that. But like the reason I want to do this is because I, I want to create a life that, is good for me and my family where I can, you know, I can go to my son's wrestling match, uh, during, during the middle of a weekday if I want to, because I'm my own boss and I'm controlling the business or I can go and take a vacation and I can work on vacation if I want to or not work on vacation. And, and so there's certain freedoms that, that I want to create, um, for my family. But I think a lot of people, they, they're doing it for other reasons. Um, and so when a marriage starts getting difficult, it starts getting stale. That's when they start feeling like, you know, you're, you're getting in the way of my career. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like that that's a, 
a sense that that I get from other people is, is that they feel like the spouse is really just a roadblock for them. Wow. Um, but I don't know if you agree with that or not. That's but. a tough one. Yeah, <laughs> that that's tough, man. I think if I I think if I felt like my spouse was a roadblock, that would be extremely difficult. It'd be very hard to come home at night. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. uh, that's not some place you want to be because at the end of the day, it's hard enough when things are good to build any business, much less when things are bad at home. You know, I think um, having that, again, that soft place to land really matters. It's definitely made it made a difference for me. But now that you're, yeah. you know, doing what you're doing, you've, you know, um, uh, had the school experience, you've had the conventional wisdom experience, now you're doing your own thing. You know, tell me, what does success look like for you going forward? Yeah. Ooh, that's a good question. That's a loaded question. Um, I feel like a successful life for me would look like that on the financial side that I'm making good money. Um, you know, I, I really don't expect to become the next Tony Robbins or anything like that. You know, I, I don't need um, a, a lot, a huge, huge mansion or anything. And so just, just a, a nice, comfortable life where I can live in a city that I want to live um, and that I'm able to support my family and able to, uh, provide for my, my kids, um, be able to provide them with the college education if they choose to go to college. Um, and, you know, I just, just want to be able to be that support and, uh, create a life where work is supporting my life, mm. where, um, you know, I want to enjoy work. Of course, I want it to help me grow. But at the same time, it's not the end all be all. Um, the purpose of life is to ex have experiences with friends and family. And that's what I want life to be about for me is to have those experiences and not be so consumed with, with work and career um, just to die at the end of my life and realize that I didn't get to experience life the way that I wanted to. Wow. That's well said, man. I appreciate you sharing that. And, uh, before I ask my last question, tell the folks listening how they can get in touch with you and learn more about the everyday worker. Yeah. The everyday worker podcast, you can find it on most podcasting platforms, Spotify, Apple podcast, whatever it might be. Um, you can also visit my website, everydayworker.com. And, uh, on there I post all my episodes as well. And, uh, I have some blog posts. I am not great at writing blog posts every week, but I'm trying to be better. Um, but on there, I also, when I post the episode, I will post links or resources that the, um, guest brought up. A lot of times guests will bring up certain websites that help them in their career or books that help to influence them. And so I always post that as well. Um, and so you can find, find me on everydayworker.com, uh, or I'm on Instagram, uh, at the dot everyday worker. And, uh, right now we're doing a challenge called, uh, the everyday cure or sorry, scratch that erase <laughs> <laughs> right now. We're doing a challenge called find your cure challenge. And so the challenge is supposed to be, uh, for four weeks, learn a new challenge or learn a new hobby or skill 
once a week for those four weeks. And so when you sign up for this challenge at everydayworker.com slash challenge, it's, uh, you'll get a PDF. And so it has over 40 different ideas and links to different projects and things that you can do like woodworking or learning a new programming language, just things to kind of dip your toe into a new hobby or skill. Um, again, just a part of this whole process of figuring out what interests you and what you like. And, uh, you know, I, I, it's been fun for me so far. I made a, I did some sewing last week. <laughs> My wife <laughs> nice. taught me how to use a sewing machine. <laughs> oh, that's great. Man. That's great. Such a, a lost art sewing is for sure. It's all uh, mechanized yeah. today. <laughs> Amazing, brother. Thanks for sharing all that. So my last question is always the same. And that just comes down to a question of wellness. And I'm curious, after all your experiences in both sport, business, family, and outside of all that, you know, what does wellness look like for Travis Robinson? Hmm. To me, wellness, it, it's a all around thing. It's, it's not one, you know, one aspect of your life. It's not just uh, your physical health or eating healthy or anything like that, but it's a, a balance in all areas. And that balance is individual and dependent on how you view it. And for me, it's, um, you know, being balanced in like eating healthy and exercising, but also spending time with my wife and having fun experiences. It's um, waking up in the morning, even though I don't have to, because I don't have a job or school, but I do it because I want to create something that I care about. Mm. Um, wellness looks like, you know, it, it's not like it, it, it's like, um, what do they say? It's like, uh, having plates spin on little sticks. And when one starts wobbling, then you go and spin that other one. And I feel like that's what I'm constantly doing. And so I'm not perfect at all the different areas that I want to be great at, but it's, uh, you know, I'm constantly re trying to reevaluate myself. And my wife says that I'm the greatest at quickly realizing that I'm starting to slack on something. And so it's, it's not about, whether you slack or not it's just about i think about catching yourself when you start slacking and then tidying that part up of your wellness a little bit more wow, that's well said man well said i don't think anyone has answered the question quite that way thus far so kudos on the originality and the insight oh thank you many thanks brother <laughs> i appreciate you being on today thanks for taking the time uh i think that everyone who hears this will actually pull quite a bit of value and so guys i want to encourage each of you to reach out to travis Check him out at The Everyday Worker and uh, be sure and reach out and ask questions if there's anything that you feel like he can help you with or add value to your life with. And with that said, guys, on behalf of Travis and myself, we will see you guys in the next episode. Take care. That's going to do it for this episode of Hardwater Radio, guys. As always, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you guys. And if you're vibing on this content, be sure and help us grow the tribe by liking, sharing, subscribing. And by all means, leave us a comment on your favorite podcatcher. Let us know what you like, what you dislike. And if you are someone out there who would like to tell your story, we are a collector of stories here. Shoot me a message, jason at hardwater.com or pick me up on social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram, whatever works for you. And I'd love to have that conversation with you guys. Until then, this is Jason Archer signing off, reminding you to remember your future.